Good morning. Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Glad you're here today. Let me invite you, if you would, to take your Bible and find the book of Hebrews, which proves uh, Hebrews proves that it's the man's job to make the coffee. Good. Three of you caught it. That's great. The rest of you need coffee. Hebrews. Yes, please. Well, J.D., you're welcome to go get some more coffee if you need some. It's all right. You're young. We understand. You've been up all night, so go back and get you some. It's all right. Hebrews chapter 9. Yes, you can. If you need coffee, go back and get some coffee. It's all right. I will not be offended. I will not be offended. Neither will God. He made the coffee bean, right, for that very purpose. He did a good job. He expects us to enjoy it and just give thanks over it. You'll understand. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and following. It says, When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here. Well, that's not my message, but I could stop right there. I want to get to verse 15. That's the place I want to park. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here. Good things are already here. You don't have to wait on them. They're here. He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. So Jesus went into something that's not part of this creation, which makes sense when you think about it for just a minute. If God created everything, he has to be outside of what he created for him to create it, right? Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before. He had to be outside... But he chooses to be outside and he creates it like an artist creates something on a canvas or something out of clay. They're outside of the clay. But God chose to be outside the clay and inside the clay on the potter's wheel, if you will, that analogy. He chose to come and dwell among us. Hence his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Right? So there's something greater than what we see, greater than all creation. Scientists are still trying to discover it and figure out how big it is and how wide it is and when it started. Matter of fact, I read an article this week that scientists have now discovered. You ready for this? They have now discovered that the, that the universe as we know it, everything is 2 billion years younger than we thought it was. Yeah, somebody calculated that. They, they got a slide rule out and figured, oh, we're, it's not quite as old as we thought it was. So what that means is you're not as old as you thought you were. Yes. Especially those who have a birthday today. But Right? I'm not making this up. It's right in the Bible. <laughs> he did not enter by the means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer. Do you know what a heifer is? It's a cow. And so why is a cow called a heifer? Do what? Okay, a cow, a heifer is a cow that hasn't had a baby yet. Okay, just so you know, right? So it's uh, it's a heifer. Now, I see some of you smiling. You got a joke. You want to tell a joke right here? I'm sorry we're not going to do that. None of us have had enough coffee at this point, okay? Your old heifer. Right. I know you ain't talking to me. <laughs> I know I ain't talking to you. You're giving birth. That's right. 
Don't come up in my house and call me a heifer. I will smack you in the next week. Maybe talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. Now, what in the world are you talking about here? Back in the day in the Old Testament, to be made clean, uh, if anybody had done anything wrong, <clears throat> any kind of sin, okay, so, so if you slapped your mother-in-law, you know, and she slapped you back, well, that's two sins right there. Really, that's really dumb. It's not a sin. That's stupidity, right? <laughs> but if you did something bad to somebody and you had to be ceremonially cleaned, what they did, they took a heifer. That's a cow that didn't have a calf yet. They sacrificed her, you know, and then they burnt her till she was ashes. They took the ashes and they mixed them with water, right, mingled them with water, and then they would sprinkle you with the ashes in the water and that ceremonially cleaned you so you go back to church again right. so we're starting a new thing here at rock springs church this week <laughs> i'm coming to your house every week if you've sinned give me a call i'm gonna bring some ashes mixed with water and sprinkle it over and you'll be ceremonially clean so you can come back to church right. how would you like to live your life that way would that be fun show up to the priest every week say father i've sinned right our Catholic friends do that, right? They show up to the confession booth, Father, I've sinned. How have you sinned, my child? I slapped my mom-in-law. Did she hit you back? Yeah, good. Okay, you're fine. Go ahead, right? Say a couple of Hail Marys, and our fathers, you'll be fine, right? How would you like to live that way? That doesn't sound very relational to me. Instead of saying, Dad, Abba, Father, Daddy, I messed up again. I'm sorry. Try not to do it again. And I really would appreciate a little help in helping me not do it again. And Daddy says, okay, that's great. Let's, uh, let's work on that. Let's move on to the next thing, right? Heard a great story this week uh, <clears throat> while we were at the funeral. Debbie's uncle passed away. That's where we were last week. Appreciate you guys praying for us. Uncle Cecil, he, I called him my uncle too. Just a really, really, really good man. One of those people that you meet, he's just like, he was the next day, the next day, the next day, do anything for you. When Debbie and I were newlyweds, uh, about 12 years ago, when we were newlyweds, <coughs> 42 years ago, we had a car that needed tires, and we couldn't afford to pay whatever it was, $200 for tires at that time. And so we were trying to get a credit card. We didn't have credit, didn't have a credit card. And so we went to the Sears Tire Store in Macon, Georgia, which is where Uncle Cecil worked. And uh, he worked in the tire center. He sold tires. We walked in. He looked at our car and said, yeah, you need tires, and it's going to cost $200, whatever it was. And we said, well, we need to get a credit card so we can buy the tires because we don't have $200. I was in, we were both in school and was working in a little church, making $300 a month. I was knocking it down. And uh, so we went and applied in the office there at Sears for a credit card. And they came back and said, I'm sorry, you don't have any credit, so we can't give you a credit card, right? Duh. So we went to Uncle Cecil and said, uh, well, we can't get tires. We can't get a credit card. He said, y'all sit right here in my office a minute. I'll be right back. So we sat down. And 30 minutes later, Uncle Cecil came back and said, here's your credit card. <laughs> Let's put some tires on your car. I don't know what he said or who he said it to, but we got a car. And we got tires on our car. This is the kind of man he was. 
But the story I wanted to get to was he was fishing with his oldest son, Mark. Mark was about 10 or 11, I think as the story goes. And Mark needed a knife to cut a line off while they were in the boat. And Uncle Cecil took his pocket knife out. He said, here's my pocket knife. He said, now be real careful with this. It's my favorite knife. My daddy gave it to me. And it's very special to me. So Mark took the knife and was doing what he was doing. And the knife fell over into the water. And Cecil said, that'll be all right. And that's the last he ever said about the knife. The rest of Mark's life, he'd never heard about the knife. You know, when we come to our Heavenly Father and say, Dad, I, I dropped your pocket knife in the water. He says, that's all right. It'll be all right. Let's move on. That's deep. That's rich, isn't it? We don't have to go burn a cow, right? And mix it with water and sprinkle it over ourselves so we'll be ceremonially clean. We just go right to Daddy and say, I messed up. And he says, okay, let's move on. Isn't that beautiful? But that's not even the message. Let's get down to it. It says, so how much more then, talking about the, the blood of the heifer and the ashes and all that, how much more then if that worked in the Old Testament, how much more then, verse 14, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more will that cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death? so that we may serve the living God. God says, I, I just don't want to just sprinkle you. I want to cleanse you completely from anything that's keeping you from being like my son Jesus. Wow. Wow. It doesn't require a cow, right? It just requires a surrender. It just requires us to say, I surrender. As we sang in the song, I surrender. Here's what I did, I surrender. For this reason, and this is the, the scripture I want to get to, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the, fir under the first covenant. Now, we sang a song just a moment ago, Jesus Messiah, and that's all about verse 15. As a matter of fact, the, I don't, this, the guy that wrote this, may have gotten this from this passage of scripture. I don't know. And other scriptures. But there are five things that I see in this passage of scripture. And I want us to talk about them. Five things. Verse 15. And the reason I've chosen verse 15 is because the day is the 15th day of September. And what month is this? This would be the ninth month. Right? So 9-15. Oh, wow. You'll always remember this. 9-15. It's a great verse. If you're telling somebody about Jesus and you don't really know what to tell them and how to tell them, this is a great verse. Just say, I don't know, my preacher said, read 9.15, read 9.15, read 9.15. For this reason, Christ is. So the first thing I want to stop at is Christ is. And I need your help with the sermon this morning. Christ is. We're going to do this. We've done it before. It's been a while. We're going to use the alphabet, A, B, C, D, right? Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. What else? Jesus, with an A, Jesus is the, any word you want to think of, almighty. almighty. Awesome. Thank you. B, Jesus, Christ is beautiful, beloved, beginning and the end, bread of life. Come on, don't hold back. 
see? Creator. Christ. Comforter. Counselor. Caring. Our younger teenagers are saying, cool. He is pretty cool. Compassionate, yes. Cornerstone. What else? D. Daddy. Deliverer. What else? Dynamite. <laughs> Demand, right? He's Demand. E. Everlasting. Excellent. Emmanuel. Hey, you get to use Emmanuel twice. It can be spelled with an E or an I. That's really cool, right? E. Everlasting. Right? Eternal. Right? F. Forever. Father. Friend. Faithful. Father. What else? Forgiving. Yes. Mm, good. G. Gracious. Good. Great. Great I am. Generous. Giving. A gentleman. Oh, wow, that's a good one. Guiding. Gracious. Grace-filled. H. Hope. Christ is hope. Holy. Heavenly Father. Healer. Help. High priest. That's right. Do what? Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. I forgot about our wall back here. That's awesome. Cheat sheet. That's right. We got one on the back wall back there, too. And some right over there. I. Emmanuel. That's right. I am. J. Jehovah. Jehovah. Right. That's right. Jehovah Jireh. K. King. King of kings. Kind. L. Love. Line of Judah, Lord. Lamb. lamb. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Living water. Long suffering. Listening. Life. Lit. That's right. See, nowadays. Lord. M. Master. Mercy. Miracle worker. Mighty one. Maker. What? Marvelous, yes. Mind. Martyr. Majestic. In. 
never ending. O? Omega. Omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, overseer. P? Promise keeper. Peace. Prince of Peace. Potter. Patient. Q. Mm. He's the, ready for this? He's the judge of the quick and the dead. Q. I'm sorry. Qualified. Whoa. Come on, girl. In the back of the room, qualified. R. Redeemer, righteous. Real. River of life. Redeemer. Restore. Ransom. Revealer. S. Savior. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Sustainer. Strong tower. T. Teacher. The true vine. Truth. Sid Canoe, right? Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Jehovah Sid Canoe. Good job. Tough. Tender. Wow. You. Understanding. Unmatched. Unbelievable. Universal. Yes, he is a lot. V. Victor. W. Waymaker. Wonderful. Winner of souls. Waiting father. Order of life. Wonderful counselor. X. Excellent. <laughs> Why? Because he is. <laughs> Yahweh. Very good. Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, and Z, zealous, he is zealous for me, loves like a hurricane, right, he is zealous for me, so Christ is, that's the first point in the message, Christ is, when you start there, everything else makes sense, Christ is, point number one, Christ is, point number two, is he's the mediator, that is, he's the go-between, and not just the go-between, he's the guarantee and the guarantor of the go-between of the arrangement. He's the mediator of a new covenant. So the Old Testament is, we call it the Old Covenant. The New Testament we call the New Covenant. It's, a, it's an agreement. The Old Testament was agreement. The New Testament's an agreement. Here's the difference between the two of them, and they're completely different. In the Old Testament, you personally, Don, had an agreement with God to not sin. 
You personally had to agree with God to not sin. And when you sinned, you had to go to a priest who interceded on your behalf and sprinkled you with ash water to make you clean. Right? In the New Testament, we don't have a direct relationship to God. We have a relationship with Jesus. Excuse me, let me say it again. We don't have a covenant with God. We have a relationship with God. The covenant that we have is between Jesus and God. We have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, I will cover their sins. It's more than that. I'll get to that in a minute. Jesus says, I will cover their sins. We have a relationship with Christ. Christ has the covenant, the arrangement with God to cover our sins. Because we can't not sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the scripture says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So in the Old Testament, we had the relationship. We had the covenant. We had the contract straight with God. And we blew it because we're sinful human beings. In the New Testament, Jesus has the relationship with the, the covenant with the Father, the contract with the Father that says, I've got them. I've got them. And Daddy says, okay, that's great. And the only way Jesus could have that covenant, have that contract with God was because he lived a sinless life. And he shed his blood completely. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so because Jesus shed his blood, perfect blood, he's able to have a contract with God for all eternity for those who trust in him. You see the difference? You don't have to run around every day wondering if you've sinned and made a mistake and God's not going to forgive you. You don't have to worry about living in the Old Testament where you you were constantly waiting on God to hit you with a lightning bolt because you sinned. There are no lightning bolts in the New Testament. There are no lightning bolts in the New Covenant that Jesus has with the Father because Jesus has covered, catch this now, everybody's sin. And that's up to everybody to choose to follow him or not follow him. <clears throat> but Jesus has covered all the sin. He took all the sin of all the world, all the sin, darkness, sickness, you name everything bad that you read during a week or during a day on the news. Jesus took that into himself when he hung on the cross and died for us. Everything. He said, Dad, I've got this. I've got this. And so he made the covenant. He was the mediator, and he himself was the contract. Does that make sense? He negotiated the contract, and then he became the contract. There's no more powerful contract that you can have. Then one you negotiate, and then you are the contract. The third thing is, it is a new covenant. It's not an old covenant. And it's new today. As it, as it said in that first scripture, it says, the good things that are already here, this new covenant means things are already here. They're already in place. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, we are now seated in heavenly places with Christ for those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ right now, you're already seated in heavenly places. Eternity has already begun. It's already new. Jesus said, I am making all things new, which is a continuous process. He's making all things new. You are already seated in heaven. That's the new things that are already here. I can't imagine anything more new and more refreshing, more exciting than to know I'm already sitting in heaven. Now, I'm still down here, still having to deal with life and health and, you know, stuff that happens. But I'm already experiencing eternity in my spirit in heaven. And you are too. 
Now, whether we tap into that or not, I don't, you know, that, that's a different conversation. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, I want to help you understand what's taking place in heaven. And he begins speaking to us and showing us things. That's why signs, wonders, and miracles happen sometimes is because we finally go, oh, wait a minute. I'm sitting in heaven, and I'm seeing these things, and oh, I want to take some of that and bring it back down to earth. That's why those miracles happen, because we, we finally get a glimpse of where we are and who we are. Yeah, I think it was C.S. Lewis, and I, I can't quote it, but I think it was C.S. Lewis that gave the illustration about uh, the banquet table, <clears throat> all set with food, everything you can imagine, Krispy Kreme donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, banana pudding. I mean, everything was, none of it, you know, none of it had calories in it. The feast was set. And then we walk into the room and the feast is there, but we don't recognize it as a feast. We walk over in the corner and eat some saltine crackers. That's freely translating C.S. Lewis, but that's how we live our lives. We're over here munching on a cracker, a dry old cracker. We ain't got anything to drink with it, right? And God says, I've got a banquet set for you. That's what it means to be seated in heaven. All this is in front of us here. But we're so accustomed to to drinking sand that we don't know what living water tastes like. It's a new covenant. It's new every day. When you wake up, it's new. This old life may be, you may get up out of that old bed and walk across that same old floor and look in that same old mirror and see that same old face and get in that, eat that same old bowl of cereal and drive that same old road to work every day and do that same old job and come back home and repeat it. That's not how it is in the spirit realm. It's new every day. His mercies are new every day. Every day. The fourth thing in this scripture. <clears throat> it said he died as a ransom. We sang the song, a ransom from heaven. He died as a ransom. A ransom means to buy something back. So Satan had stolen you. Satan had stolen you. He tricked you. He lied. Whatever it was, he stole you. He stole your heart, your soul, your mind, everything. He just stole it. And Jesus died as a ransom to buy it back. He said, Matt and Kate are worth buying back. So I'm going to buy them back. And he did. He said, JD is worth buying back. So he did. And he didn't just calculate how much blood it would take to buy one person back or one million people back. He gave all of his blood so that there would be a guarantee that all people who choose him could be bought back. He didn't hold back any of his blood for us. He shed every bit of it. In the hopes that all of us, everywhere around the world, would trust in him as Lord and Savior. He paid the ransom. Have you ever bought anybody back? Have you ever sold something and went back and bought it? I did. I took some stuff to the restore place here in town, you know, where they resell stuff from houses. It's a really cool store. You ought to go to it sometime. It's right next to the hardware, the Ace Hardware. And so I took a bunch of stuff up there. And, uh, you know, you get a little receipt, and uh, you can take off on your taxes if you want to, whatever. They give you that little piece of paper. And I walked out, 
And I got home, and a week later, I thought, man, I could really use that. Why did I give that away? And I needed it, right? You know, you always think that's why people hoard. I, I may need that, right? I may need that 27th pencil. I just might come in handy. I need. So I went back up there. And remember, I'd given it away because you give stuff away there, and they give you a little receipt. I'd given it away. And I walked in. I said, you know, last week I brought this thing in. I said, I really would like to buy it back. And uh, so they said, well, I think I know where it is. And they walked over to the corner and picked it up and brought it, set it on the counter, and it had a price on it. And I was willing to pay the price because I needed it. And they, and they said, now, you brought this in, right? I said, I did. And they said, well, we got it. I think it was $20, whatever it was. We got a $20 price on it. She said, for people who give us stuff and they come back and buy it, we give it to you half price. I said, I'll gladly take it for $10 because I really, really need that. It's important. So I gave her $10 and took off with it. I ransomed it back. It even got a deal in the bargain, right? right? Have you ever ransomed something back? Do it sometime. Take something to the restore that you really want. Drop it off and then go back and buy it back from them. That's what, that's what Jesus did for you. You had been bought, but he bought you with the price of his own precious blood. And why did he do it? The last thing, <laughs> to set us free. Look what it says. Now that he died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Jesus died to set you free. He whom the Son sets free will be free if he attends church every Sunday morning. Isn't that what it says? He whom the Son sets free will be free if you're baptized only in the Baptist church or the church of Christ. Is that what it says? He whom the Son sets free will be free if he gives enough money in the offering plate in just a few minutes. Isn't that what it says? No, it says, he whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. There's nothing attached to that. There's no, there's no requirement after that. There's no obligation after that. You don't have to be sprinkled with ash water after that. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Free from what? Free from the consequences of your sins. Whatever sins you've committed or will commit... You've been set free from those sins. Because the old covenant said, the old relationship said, the old contract said, you're directly responsible for God for all of your sins. And there would be a judgment day. The new covenant says, Jesus says, I set you free from all of that. And if I set you free, you will be free indeed. This will not be held against you in a court of law. So in the judgment day, when Christians meet Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not a judgment of whether we go to heaven or hell. It's not a judgment of what our sins were or were not. My pastor used to say, he used to scare the, yeah, out of me, right? He would say almost every Sunday night, because the youth would be packed, we had under 50 teenagers in the church, he would look at us and say, and you need to know when you stand before God, there's going to be a giant television screen. And your life is going to be replayed in front of everybody. All of your sins. Ew. 
every Sunday just about we heard that. Well, it was great for scaring the bejeebies out of teenagers, right? Made me walk the straight and narrow. But that's not true. You have been set free. What does it say in Romans 8, 1? There's therefore now. Oh, there's got to be some condemnation because sometimes I don't, I don't like God, right? I'm angry with him. Oh, that, oh, that's my condemnation, not his. Give me some word on that. That's right. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how Jesus can set us free. He set us free from having to live up to a life of being perfect. Aren't you tired of trying to be perfect? Aren't you tired of trying to be perfect? You're not? Give me some knuckle. Some of us live in a, in a, in a glass house or a fishbowl in our mind. And we think everybody that sees us is judging us. And that's a huge struggle. We think that every sin we commit or try to commit or think about committing or don't commit or almost commit, that God is judging us and that others are judging us for it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So be set free this morning. Be set free in the knowledge of who Christ is for us. Be set free in the knowledge that there is a new a new contract. And Jesus has the contract with God, and he's going to fulfill it for all eternity. He cannot not fill it. Love never fails. Jesus will never fail in that covenant with his Father. We simply have a relationship with Jesus. He takes care of the heavy stuff. Jesus says, let me carry this. You've got enough on you right now. And he carries the weight of the world, the weight of our sin, on his shoulders. I've got a little booklet right here. I'm going to close with this. I've got a little booklet here called Clearing the Land. It was given to me years ago. And in here, the, the author of this has listed some 400 sins that, that we can potentially commit. It's pretty intense. And you're supposed to go through here and confess all the sins and you've committed and you know make things right with God 400 in the Old Testament you received a covering that is it was covered up but the sins are still there they were just covered up atonement at one or atonement is the word it means a covering and so just pretend like we place this inside of an envelope and you can't see it anymore but they're still there in the new covenant these don't exist anymore. There's no covering. They just don't exist anymore. Jesus has taken the sins. They don't exist anymore. Where you and God are concerned, if you're in Christ Jesus, if you're trusting in him as your Lord and Savior, these sins don't exist anymore. They're gone. They're gone. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. Never to remember. They're washed away. You know, we still think, oh, my sins are going to catch up with me at judgment. There's going to be a big pile of them, and I'm going to be in trouble. No. No. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. They're washed away. They're not just covered. They're washed away. That's the difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, they were sprinkled and just covered up with some water and some ashes. 
In the New Testament, Jesus just takes them away. They're gone. He did the work. You don't have to do it. He did the work. And that's the good news. That was the good news that Jesus taught. It's the good news that got him killed because he was saying he was the Savior of the world. Christ is the Savior of the world. Slain before the foundation of the world. So that we would not stand before the judgment day with all of our sins listed there on a big television screen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's the good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word from your word. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're the bravest man that I know. You took all the world's sin and death and everything horrible we can think of into yourself. That takes a very brave man. You're the bravest man that I know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for our sins and for coming back to life. And thank you, Holy Spirit. In this moment, Holy Spirit, come. Help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in you completely. Help us to trust in you more than we ever have. Help us to understand you more than we ever have. Give us clarity about what you did for us that it might bring joy in our hearts. And then, Holy Spirit, help us to go share this with somebody. Help us to go share this good news with somebody else. Help us to share Hebrews 9.15. 915. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The new cup.